Hey, I'm Will. And this is Benj. We're both church planners trying to work out how to form churches in this post-pandemic world. I lead a church that's trying to grow big. And I lead a church that's trying to grow small. But we share an interest in the beautiful and diverse future of the church in Australia. What will it look like? How will it adapt and innovate and thrive? If you're asking these questions too, then join us as we host a range of conversations with diverse thinkers and practitioners around what comes next. Welcome to the Forming Church Podcast, brought to you by Gen 1K and our vision to see a thousand healthy churches in a generation. You might already be having these conversations within your tribe, but we want to form a community that brings divergent thoughts together. My name's Jamie. I was a church planter and now I'm helping others to plant churches as the Gen 1K mission team leader. Instead of this increasing polarization, we want to learn how to explore different perspectives with a commitment to learning from each other. So at the end of every episode, I've gathered some friends for a roundtable conversation to explore how these ideas might play out in your context. Follow us on Instagram and join our Forming Church podcast Facebook group to add your voice to the conversation. During the recording of this episode, Benj and I were on Dark and Junk Country. We want to acknowledge the custodians of this land and its elders, past, present and future, as well as any Aboriginal people listening to this podcast. We encourage you to take a moment, wherever you are listening from, to observe and acknowledge the country you are on right now. Hello and welcome to the Forming Church podcast. We are glad you're here and uh, we have a great episode in store for you today. We had such a wonderful conversation with this guest and uh, one that I know personally I need to listen back to, I think multiple times, actually was a theme of the conversation, the idea of listening deeply and allowing things to sink in and kind of getting out of our Western tick the box mindset. Uh, We had a chat to Brooke Prentice. Yes. Benj, tell us a little bit about Brooke. Brooke is the CEO of Common Grace, which is an organization in Australia pursuing Jesus and justice, they say, which I, I love. And they um, operate uh, in all sorts of levels, in politics and, um, you know, locally as well in terms of... Resourcing the church. Lots of different uh, resources for, for justice. Um, and uh, this conversation is particularly around um, uh, reconnecting and, and love, Brooke. She says in this conversation, uh, not reconciliation, but friendship with our First Nations people, Aboriginal people. And so she is incredible. She is a theologian. She's a writer. She's got a book coming out uh, next year. She's a speaker and um, and and leader uh, in in the church. So and just has an incredible heart. I just felt like listening to her speak. Just obviously her her leadership heart and her way of articulating herself um, is so what we need to look to right now. And uh, yeah, I I trust that whoever you are, wherever you find yourself whatever kind of church, whatever land you're on, whatever country you're on, um, there's something in this conversation for you. Yes. So enjoy our conversation with Brooke Prentice. Brooke Prentice, it is wonderful to have you with us on the Forming Church podcast today. Really appreciate you and the work that you do and the space that you hold um, in in Australia and in the church and, you know, these kind of conversations. Before we jump into it, would love to just know what a normal week in the life of Brooke looks like. Uh, I think I should have been a bit pre-planned with that question. Um, <laughs> I don't think there is such thing as a, as a normal week. I think when you've dedicated your life uh, to pursuing Jesus and justice each and every day and 
uh, looks different and each and every minute of every day um, looks different. So uh, it's often a lot of uh, relationship building and networking. Um, it's also as an Aboriginal Christian leader, you're still um, a community pastor, even though I'm the CEO of Common Grace. Um, and to lead a movement of people pursuing Jesus and justice uh, is something that I live each and every day, as well as being the CEO of um, an organisation where that's our mandate. So, yeah, there's all those different parts of me, CEO, Aboriginal Christian leader, uh, Brooke family member. So uh, my mum, my sister, my nephew and nieces who are all up in uh, Queensland. I'm physically uh, here today on the lands of the Gadigal peoples. And so as a Waka Waka woman, I do acknowledge I am on Gadigal land and pay my respects to the elders past, present and future. Um, and so, yeah, lots of different uh, parts that make up my life and what I do each and every day. That's wonderful. Wonderful. I, I am noticing more and more that uh, Western society in general, and particularly, you know, our generation, we're so disconnected to place and land and story, um, which are things that are actually really so key to the gospel and, um, mm -hmm. and, and the story of what, you know, God is doing in the world. And I, I just know that there's so much to learn from our First Nations people about those things that there's like, I know for me and my family background, we're so disconnected to that. Um, mm -hmm. What are some ways do you think that we can learn and connect with those things um, from our First Nations people? Yeah, there's uh, so much and it's so important. As uh, you kind of just said, I mean, it's part of understanding the Gospels um, as well. And for us as Aboriginal peoples, each day we walk upon the land and I often call people to walk softly and gently. And that's the practice that I take. Um, even as an Aboriginal person, uh, I'm a Waka Waka woman. I am a visitor to these lands of the Gadigal peoples, another Aboriginal nation. We have over 300 nations of Aboriginal peoples in these lands now called Australia. Aboriginal people didn't determine the boundaries of those nations. Uh, the creator determined the boundaries of those nations and they're often geographical features in the landscape. So even in our capital cities, this is country, country being all land, waters, sky, plants, trees, animals, birds, fish, mountains, rocks, and all peoples. And so we're constantly listening deeply because this is the creator's story that we're walking upon each and every day. Mm. Uh, and so that should cause and pause us to walk softly and gently um, to listen to each other. And so, you know, Waka Waka country is my grandmother's country. Uh, but I've never lived on Waka Waka country. So, but I was born on the land of the Indinji peoples in far north Queensland and grew up and lived most of my life in Gubby Gubby country, which is on the Sunshine Coast of the place now called Queensland and is a neighbouring nation to Waka Waka. And now I live on the lands of the Gadigal peoples. And so all of those places mean something. They all have story and that story is embedded in the landscape, but also a story that Creator, Holy Spirit and Jesus have seen and been part of since time immemorial. And so uh, our elders teach us um, these stories and to care for each other, who the Creator is, uh, how to care for all of creation for country and how to live in right relationship. And for me, they're those three biblical mandates as well. So uh, my Aboriginality and Christianity are one and the same. Mm, that's beautiful, Brooke. I love, I love that idea of walking gently and, and listening deeply and 
reconnecting with those things with with place and country and story and know that I continue to have so much to learn there um mm. the the land that we all live on work on play on uh that our churches ex- exist on um has never had a treaty and I'm just wondering you know I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on what it means for churches to actually genuinely wrestle with the, the history and the ongoing mm. continued story um, of of the land that we live on and some of the historical injustices, and uh, just really would love to hear your thoughts on yeah how churches can actually begin to you know enter these conversations around what it would mean to have a treaty, what that would do, um, you know just whatever thoughts you want to share around those kind of ideas. Yeah, so there's a lot of thoughts to share around those ideas, and um, you know a lot of people don't even know what treaty is why we need a treaty and you know i think some of these questions show the lack of relationship with aboriginal peoples and when we're talking about the church um that's the lack of relationship with aboriginal christian leaders mm. that's where we actually have to start uh and then from there we go into relationship with the local community and so you know the reality of aboriginal ministry in australia is that so many Aboriginal Christian leaders are doing ministry um, self-funded or volunteer not funded at all. And that's been very much my experience. I'm a chartered accountant, one of only 22 Indigenous chartered accountants in all of Australia. But I worked in accountancy to fund my ministry um, because the churches were not funding our ministries mm. until now I find myself as CEO of Common Grace, which is incredible. But it, it's all about relationship. And, you know, there's this other big word that often is usually the first one, reconciliation, capital R, reconciliation, being um, the relationship between Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and non-Indigenous peoples in these lands now called Australia. And I've said before, it's something like 90% of non-Indigenous Australians have never met an Aboriginal person. And so as the church, I think that's one of the first places we have to start with. Does the church actually know an Aboriginal person? Anything you've heard about um, injustice, the true history of these lands now called Australia, theological understandings, have they come from Aboriginal Christian leaders uh, or has it been just conversations amongst non-Indigenous Christians? Um, and so we've got to be honest about those discussions because I say that I'd rather call reconciliation friendship. And that's because mm. I believe with my friends, that's one of the best places we can have honesty, transparency, relationship, that mm. right relationship that is part of my cultural heritage, but should be part of our lives as Christians, but also to then go deeper. Like I want to start with the relationship, but also stolen land. I mean, that is just a true fact. I said before, creator, Holy Spirit, Jesus has seen all and been part of all since time immemorial. Mm. They saw the stealing of the land, land that had boundaries had been drawn and given to Aboriginal peoples. Um, as custodian stewards, we understand the meanings of those concepts. We're still trying to teach non-Indigenous people those concepts. And that's very important for the church to understand. A lot of churches are still built upon original stolen land. You can trace back that it was an original parcel of land given to that church for free or for very little value. And even then, if it was you then the church then purchased it, it often wasn't at a commercial rate. Uh, and so we've still got to live with those things today and that there were Aboriginal people where your church stands. Mm. Where are those Aboriginal people today? 
that's just part of the true history that we all have to come to terms with. And so when I said that we need to walk softly and gently upon the lands, it's also understanding that these are stolen lands. And so what posture, not only are you walking on the creator's story, but you're walking on a story of injustice. Mm. Um, and for me, the Bible that I read, uh, Jesus calls us uh, to justice. And that's central to me, to the gospels, um, how to love our neighbours. Uh, you know, I can share a short story that was uh, in a church. I was talking to the pastor uh about aboriginal relationship and injustice and um and the pastor goes oh brooke i understand uh what you're saying i'm fully on board with you but there's no aboriginal people that live in this local area so my church doesn't have anything to do uh basically and uh we had to point out that there was an aboriginal family living literally next door to the church wow. and so this is where i often talk about it as a spiritual blindness and deafness. Um, mm. Somehow Aboriginal people become invisible. We aren't invisible to God. Um, mm. So we shouldn't be invisible to Christians. So let's really start with relationship. You know, part of what my ministry has been to non-Indigenous Christians is just to simply to love Aboriginal peoples first and not to judge. And often, sadly, the things like stolen land and the lack of treaty, instead of being seen as injustice and part of truth, national truth telling, um, they're seen as uh, opposition. And we often receive a lot of judgment from even those terms. And so, you know, mm. we need to connect at our heart levels, um, not just head levels. Yeah. And for me, that's what Jesus does. He unsettles me in heart, mind, uh, and spirit each and every day. Uh, and so, we need to connect on those things and and treaty as a as a large concept i say i believe as a nation um this is the national work we need to do of which the church and christians are a part of but we need a truth-telling commission first then we need treaty and treaties and then uh voice in or to parliament and that's a whole another conversation but treaty for me would be the first time so i talked about reconciliation but you also could talk about conciliation a lot mm. of us um aren't happy with the word reconciliation because uh you know it was the word of the 1990s as the decade and you know we look back to the year 2000 and all those incredible walks across the bridges in every state and territory you know 200 and over 250,000 people walked across the sydney harbour bridge but 20 years later we still haven't achieved reconciliation and mm. You know, when I look at the realities of injustice, have we actually, what have we achieved as a nation in terms of relationship? And then as the Australian church, what have we achieved in relationship with Aboriginal peoples? And so conciliation might be a better word mm. um, because have we ever had a relationship to restore to being mm. reconciliation or do we actually need to establish the relationship? And so for me, treaty is a tool um, where for the first time, uh, in 250 years, we could come together to negotiate how this relationship uh, will work to not just benefit non-Indigenous peoples, which it has for the last 250 years, but an equal partnership. Um, and treaty is an international tool that's available to us to be able to use. We're not, we are the only Commonwealth nation without a treaty with 
uh, Indigenous peoples, the last one of the last liberal democracies. Mm. And so people do need to get engaged with this um, because as 2.8% of the Australian population as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, we need uh, the 97.2% to actually listen to us and to support us because we can't bring the political change that's required. And as Christians, I want us to bring the heart change that's required. Mm. Oh, that's that's uh, so helpful. I love the reframing of reconciliation as relationship. I think that's um, uh, reconciliation can be just a big word that just seems out there, but mm-hmm. calling it relationship is really helpful. And so I'd love just to think about on a local level, if you think about pastors or church planters, you know, feeling called to a specific place, do you have any recommendations on practical steps to form relationships with local Indigenous people? Uh, yeah, there's lots of ways to start. I think the biggest way to start is, I said it as the beginning, as the church, to find your Aboriginal Christian leaders uh, because we've been on this journey. We'll have the relationships with the local community, but if you can't build a relationship with us as Aboriginal Christian leaders, um, then how can you build relationship with local community? But it's really easy. You Google who are the traditional custodians of the lands that I want to plant this church on. Do I have the authority to plant this church on this land? Um, you said, and this is, it's not Aboriginal language, this is church planting language, have been called to a place. Uh, well, that place for thousands of years uh, had Aboriginal peoples who were custodians and stewards and still today are custodians and stewards of these lands, of those lands. And so it's to understand that that's not just a legal concept or the right thing to do. This is a spiritual concept. Mm. Um, And I think that's a big change for church planters and for pastors to actually think about the spiritual connectedness of what this means. The creator is part of that story. Hopefully as Christians, we don't disagree on that, but for thousands of years and the creator placed Aboriginal peoples here. It's then to understand how Aboriginal society is structured. And this is where Aboriginal Christian leaders can help, but you Google Aboriginal organizations in your suburb. Um, uh, You find the Aboriginal medical service, uh, you find um, traditional owner groups, uh, you find cultural tours. Um, You know, in many of our capital cities, these things are easily at your fingertips. A lot of local councils now do a really good job on their websites of acknowledging traditional custodians. Um, You still do have to be careful because sometimes there is politics playing a part, whether that's at the local, the state or the federal level. Uh, and you have to come back to the the spiritual, the community-led. Who are the community leaders? And that's not something you're going to find. Google's a great first place to start. Well, actually, the relationship with Aboriginal Christian leaders, then Google, uh, but it also takes time, and that's part of uh, what you just need to take the time. That's the time with with Jesus uh, to, to wait. Uh, it's not your Western time frame. Uh, it's the time with Jesus and that leads you to the relationship with Aboriginal peoples and to country, being all lands, water, sky, trees, animals, plants, birds, fish, mountains and all peoples. Mm. Brooke, I'm wondering if you could um, kind of answer a question in two ways. I, I would love it if you would paint a, a, a picture of your vision for what the future church in Australia could look like with a rich integration 
of Aboriginal Christian leadership, non-Indigenous and Indigenous people uh, in real relationship? What would that look like? And then maybe as the flip side, what do we what do we risk losing if we don't actually move towards that future? Yeah, so I often talk about my dream is to build an Australia built on truth, justice, love and hope. And that's an Australia that we build together um, and that Christians are a key part of that. I know that that's the Australia that I need um, and I think it's the Australia that we all need um, because with that truth, justice, love, that leads to the hope and it actually leads to freedom for all of us. Um, And, you know, I often talk about that to to be able to do this together and to have that relationship, it actually means, and there's actions in each of these. So I hope you can hear the action. Mm -hmm. It's about sitting together in our pain. Aboriginal peoples are very connected to the pain. Non-Indigenous peoples, there is pain there as well, but it's pushed away. And Mm -hmm. so, even if there's people listening to this podcast and are like, oh, I'm not comfortable with what Brooke's saying, it's actually like, let's check our hearts. Um, Why aren't you comfortable with a conversation about friendship? Uh, What is happening there? Um, What pain are you carrying from yourself or your ancestors? Uh, And we have to wrestle with that together. So sitting together in our pain, standing together against injustice, Uh, walking together in truth and friendship and praying together for change. Mm. You know, I even wonder how many people have ever prayed with an Aboriginal person, have ever prayed with an Aboriginal Christian leader through places like Common Grace uh, in particular. We're creating avenues for that. We are led by Aboriginal Christian leaders to pursue friendship and reconciliation in our lifetime. And so Common Grace is a great place to start. You're going to hear and be led by Aboriginal Christian leaders um, through all of those sitting, standing, walking and praying together. Uh, I'm also writing a book that uh, will hopefully be coming out next year. The working title is 10 Ways to Take the Aboriginal Hand in Friendship, a resource for the Australian church and Australian Christians. Um, I need people to, to wait for that resource to come out as well. I mean, uh, I've, I've tried to teach things, but there's things, simple things we can do in our churches. Um, have commission an Aboriginal Christian leader and pay them properly, one of our artists, to create an artwork for your church. Um, if you're And some Baptists I know aren't into flag flying, but the Aboriginal flag uh, and the Torres Strait Islander flag, they are signs of welcome for us. Mm. Um, An acknowledgement of country plaque. Acknowledgement of country is such a first step. Mm. Uh, And so think about your place and your space uh, and how you can make them welcoming for Aboriginal peoples. Not because uh, we necessarily need to be welcomed, but because we have been unwelcome. Mm. Or, or pushed out of the church and pushed out off that land for, you know, 250 years. And so we've got a lot um, of work to do to build this Australia built on truth, justice, love and hope. But that's what it looks like to walk into a church, to see the Aboriginal paintings, the Aboriginal flags, to see an acknowledgement of country plaque and for people to come up to me and go, Brooke, can I get you a cup of tea? Um, let's sit down and have a yarn together. Um, let's have a yarn about truth and justice and love. And through that yarning and those conversations, that hope can come and that freedom for all. What's at stake? Like what what will we lose if we don't go yes. on that 
process together because I can imagine some people um, and I, I think this is, you know, a terrible thing but some people just having an attitude of apathy or, you okay. know, a bit like that pastor, the story you shared before of, well, there's nobody in our area, it's not okay. as relevant to us. Like what, what will we lose if we don't engage well with this? What is at stake is um, a deeper relationship with Jesus. Um, that's really what's at stake. You know, as Aboriginal peoples where we have the lived experience of injustice each and every day, we cling so tightly to Jesus. That friendship and relationship with Jesus is at a whole nother level for Aboriginal Christians uh, because often Jesus is all that we have left. Whereas non-Indigenous Christians get to choose to participate in um, uh, politics or justice or government or um, or how you participate in life. Uh, we don't have that choice. This is our lives. Um, the, the, simply the reality of the lack of closing the gap that our people, my people die 11 to 17 years younger than the non-Indigenous population. Do you know, like when you equate that to how many funerals I might attend, um, not just in a year, in a month or even in a week, um, and some of our Aboriginal Christian leaders in Brisbane, they're organising three Aboriginal funerals a week. Mm. Um, that's our lived reality. And so the need for justice is so great and the need for Jesus is so great. And so that's what's at risk. And when I first started uh, back in 2012 as an Aboriginal pastor and uh, holding small groups uh, or with non-Indigenous Christians and especially with our most senior Aboriginal Christian leader in Australia, Auntie Jean Phillips. And there were a group of 10 non-Indigenous Christians at the first kind of seminar she took me to. And someone said, oh, Brooke, I'm scared if I get involved with Aboriginal justice. And this goes back to my statements about treaty and stolen land and as first places to start and the risk to me of starting in those places because people might not want to love, they want to judge first and not have that friendship. Mm. Um, uh, this young uh, guy said to me, he's like, oh, but Brooke, I'm worried if I get involved with Aboriginal justice that you'll want my house, that Aboriginal people will want my house and my backyard, um, which goes back to an advertising campaign. And this is where we need the full truth, back to when the Mabo decision was made in 1992. Um, the newspapers ran advertising campaigns that Aboriginal people will want your backyard and the mining companies ran these campaigns. This is where some of that comes from. Mm. But what I said to him is I said, I truly believe that it is of God, of Jesus, for reconciliation, for that relationship. I know after 250 years of injustice, genocide, massacre, trauma, ongoing injustice, closing the gap, Aboriginal deaths in custody, Aboriginal peoples are still extending our hand in friendship and seeking relationship with non-Indigenous peoples. That in itself is a miracle and a beautiful act of love. We keep doing that at the risk and the cost to our lives. Uh, but what we need, is it really that risky for a non-Indigenous person to extend back your hand, to take our hand in friendship and to love one another? Uh, if you're not wanting to love people, then I'm not quite sure what the Christian journey is about for you. And I guess that's something that we need to assess. And so... We're risking the achievement of justice, we're risking the achievement of love, and mm. we're risking a deepening of our relationship with Jesus by not participating in these things. Mm.
Look, I'm interested to know if you have any um, stories or places for us to look of churches that are actually doing this well or at least leading the way in Australia. Is there anywhere that you can point us towards to, to learn from? Uh, so, you know, I do come um, as uh, I still said, I'm a community pastor, um, uh, but was an Aboriginal pastor of an Aboriginal church, the only church in this particular denomination, Aboriginal church in Australia of this particular denomination, um, it was closed down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was denomination after denomination closing down Aboriginal churches. We don't have many Aboriginal churches. And so then we look to the non-Indigenous church, but there's still not the basics happening, which is put up an Aboriginal artwork, have an acknowledgement of country, have relationship with Aboriginal Christian leaders, Um, And so, yes, there are examples, uh, but they're not in abundance. Mm. And so we're still um, doing that. And that's where individual Christians and pastors who want to come on the journey, as Arnie Jean has called for decades, Arnie Jean Phillips, that the invitation is there. It's up to you whether you accept that. Mm. So the best example, and not to, I know this is going to sound weird, but it's taken, you know, 40 years of my life and eight years as an Aboriginal Christian leader, but Common Grace as a Christian organisation, that's an example to the church as well, that we are led by Aboriginal uh, Christian leaders. My appointment to CEO is the very first time a Christian organisation in Australia has appointed an Aboriginal person as its national leader or CEO, um, a Christian organisation that isn't specifically Indigenous. And so we're not an Indigenous organisation, we're not a non-Indigenous organisation, we're a Christian organisation, but I can point to many other Christian organisations that are just non-Indigenous organisations. And so we have Aboriginal employment, we have Aboriginal board members, uh, Aboriginal people are right through everything we produce as common grace. And so I guess in a way I'm trying to develop a model that um, has been developed by my Aboriginal Christian leaders that have gone before me, uh, my elders, and that even with my positions, I still look to those elders and leaders for guidance um, uh, and for cultural respect, for the wisdom that they hold. Uh, And so I do ask people, come and get involved with Common Grace, follow our work, listen to Aboriginal Christian leaders through Common Grace. Um, and let's actually all, as all Christians and churches, be peoples who are pursuing Jesus and justice. Mm. Oh, Brooke, I'm, I'm personally, yeah, really finding this conversation life-giving and, and loving just, yeah, what you're giving to us relationally and uh, um, what you're doing through Common Grace. I love um, everything that Common Grace is is. Uh, generously giving to resource Christians that want to follow Jesus and justice. As you've said, I love that, the pursuit of Jesus and justice that should always be together, right? Um, yeah. And Jesus and justice is ministry. Yes. Like, 100%. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think people can disconnect ministry and justice, but for Aboriginal peoples, it's the same. Like that, yeah. that's our ministry. That is, that's life. Yeah. Um, and so it's an injustice isn't usually a part of non-Indigenous people's lives. Mm. And so you can, you have the privilege to separate ministry mm. and justice. We don't have that privilege. Mm. Very good. Well, um, just to wrap up our conversation, we'd love to just to go through some rapid fire questions, if you're okay with mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. 
try to keep it to one word or a, or a sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first question is, what do you think is the biggest danger to the church's future in Australia? Uh, not listening to Aboriginal Christian leaders. Mm. Um, what's giving you hope about the future of the church in Australia right now? Uh, seeing people uh, come to listen to Aboriginal Christian leaders, particularly through things like our uh, Change the Heart uh, as part of Common Grace and Annie Jean's call to Australian Christians in the lead up to January 26. Mm. What's uh, influencing you right now in terms of books or podcasts or people? Uh, so it's continuing um, Indigenous theologians from around the world. Uh, and uh, so Randy Woodley, Terry LeBlanc, um, Cheryl Bear, thinking about Turtle Island and North America. And so for me, it's also that I uh, want to learn from as many Indigenous theologians as possible. And here in Australia, Uncle Pastor Ray Minicon, Aunty Reverend Denise Champion, continuing to listen to those that didn't have the same academic, Auntie Jean Phillips, uh, and we post much of this stuff on our Common Grace website as well. Mm, That's great. Brooke, if you had one book that you had like infinite copies of and you could just give it out to anyone but there's only one book, what would that book be for you? Uh, So that is, oh, I can't pick one. There's two. (laughs) Um, That is Aunty Reverend Denise Champion's Yata Wandata. Uh, and that's on the Common Grace Theological Resources page and how you can buy that, and Bruce Pascoe's Dark Emu. Mm. And that plus the SBS series First Australians, it's my dream. I, I believe that we would be on the step to building an Australia built on truth, justice, love and hope if every Australian Christian did those three resources. And there are a lot of resources out there, and I've looked at a lot, but I want to bring a foundational knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, but Aunty Reverend Denise Champion's book, I've tried to use in every theological paper that I've written. Um, and people will, when you look for that book, you've got a, there's no credit card facilities, you've got to write to a lady in South Australia. But that's the reality of the injustice still facing Aboriginal Mm. peoples. Our books Mm. and resources are not as readily available as non-Indigenous Christians. And so don't be put off that you've got to ring up someone and send an email. That's our reality. That reality needs to change, um, but it's part of the injustice. So Mm. buy the book, read the book, and yada wandata. It means in Andamatna, the land is speaking. Mm. Mm. That's good. Um, just to finish, what would be your two or three sentences that you would uh, leave with those listening to this podcast who are, you know, most likely uh, church planters or, or sort of missional thinkers or people just wanting to get involved with what God is doing uh, in the world? Uh, what would you leave them with? To listen deeply uh, and that takes time. Yeah, my prayer is that that if that listening deeply doesn't lead to relationship with Aboriginal peoples, you probably haven't listened deep enough. Mm. Thank you so much, Brooke. I really hope and I know that Benj and I both hope that this is not just a podcast episode but something that actually invites people into um, that listening, into uh, love those four steps that you said um, and, and into, yeah, like a, a, a real posture of discovering that Jesus is in and through uh, all of this. And thank you so much for the way that you've reminded us of that today. And, uh, yeah, we, um, we're, we're so behind everything that you're doing through Common Grace. So thank you. Mm. Yeah, no, thank you. 
um, so much. And this is part of uh, my dream and my ministry uh, to see people and churches, pastors, Christians deeply connected with us. And so as Aboriginal Christian leaders, and so uh, that invitation is is there. It's a personal invitation that um, I'm available. Mm. And so, um, but don't let uh, any obstacles go in your way because there's none for me to building relationship and love through Jesus. Mm. Oh, thank you awesome. so much. Brooke, where is the best place for people to um, connect with you and your work and Common Grace? Yeah, so our website, commongrace.org.au, and particularly some of the things out of this discussion go to the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Justice page. There's church resources, prayer resources, theological resources, so all through commongrace.org.au, and then social media uh, at commongraceaus. Also check out the Grass Tree Gathering, um, and uh, that's a network of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Christian leaders um, right across the country. Um, and yeah, you can contact me through Common Grace. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. I, uh, I've got a lot to go away and think about and uh, put into practice. So thank you so much for uh, giving us your wisdom and your time. Yeah, it's been wonderful to be with you. So thank you so much for the invitation and the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Hey, this podcast is sponsored by Baptist Financial Services. To find out more, visit bfs.org.au. We hope you are enjoying the Forming Church podcast. As fun as it is to listen to our voices, they are not the only ones that matter. Add your voice to the conversation by joining the Forming Church Facebook group or connecting with us on Instagram at Forming Church. What do the ideas in this episode's interview look like in diverse contexts? That's what Jamie, Ken and Pip are going to explore right now. For this episode's roundtable, I have with me Pip and Ken. Pip has worked as a youth pastor in Sydney and served in Cambodia with Global Interaction, where she still works now as a partnership consultant. Welcome, Pip. Thanks, Jamie. We also have Ken, who has planted and led churches in Kenya, America, and is now in Sydney working with our Gem 1K mission team as a multiplication facilitator. Welcome, Ken. Good to be here, Jamie. Today, we just wanted to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the country on which we meet uh, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. In this interview, we heard Benj and Will chat with Brooke Prentice uh, about the role of um, relationship between uh, First Nation peoples and uh, the church in Australia today. And the point of these roundtable conversations is to practice learning from people with diverse and at times divergent opinions. You might have a different perspective to Brooke, Benj, Will, Ken, Pip, myself, but how can we create healthy debate and move beyond the echo chamber of our tribe? So guys, what struck you today? Uh, I mean, this this was... Uh uh, I mean, there's so much to process, but the one thing that just really struck me was the impact that when we understand the the connectedness that people have to land and spirituality, it just it just opens like that that just opens a whole new conversation that really struck me. Yeah, 
Yeah, I was struck by and encouraged by the fact that it, it was centered in Jesus, mm. and that um, so much of the time we, we we hear about this conversation in the political realm, but um, to really make that really clear connection that we're listening from Christian leaders, we're learning from Christian leaders, um, and that if we ignore this, then it's re- I, I had a real challenge um, from Brooke. If I don't think this is relevant to my my Christian faith, and and essentially, am I following Jesus, or or, or mm. is my expression of following Jesus? is real and authentic yeah 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 so good and i think for me what kept coming through is the role of relationship yeah and as we look throughout scripture that that is um so foundational to who god is who we are as his people and um and yeah i was really challenged and inspired by what brooke had to say um for you guys, uh, how does how does this understanding of place? What's been your experience um, personally in 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 the places that you live? Well, I guess I guess in terms of um, thinking about our local church, I'm a part of a Baptist church uh, that meets here in Sydney, and um, certainly when we we talk about uh, mission and engaging in our world, um, we need to think about Indigenous people and and relationships with Indigenous p- Christian leaders as part of that conversation. Um, so yeah, I think it's important to think about. The that place in, and in think about the responsibilities and the opportunities that we have uh, by uh, meeting in Australia as, as Australian Christians. Mm. Yeah. I was just struck by just the, the spiritual concept of place. That, yeah. That, that yeah, I mean, that, 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 that struck me. And unfortunately, uh, even as we do church planting, it's not, it's not one of the things that I have intentionally thought about. Um, and just listening to uh, Brooke say that as, as you think about church planting, and think about place, just a sense of an awareness that there are people that land belongs to. And taking that initial and intentional step to um, identify who the indigenous leaders are, Christian leaders, and, and reaching out to them. I just don't think we intentionally do that. And it's just something that's really blown a blind spot that I had that mm-hmm. I haven't processed yet. Um, and, I, and yeah, so think about the church I lead. Um, we, we haven't had that conversation yet. We haven't. Um, and I think this conversation has just sort of brought an awareness that, wait a minute, I'm a guest in this place uh, and, and I need to sort of take that step to find out um, who the land belongs to and, and in an honoring way, you know, respect that. Yeah. That's great. One of the things, again, that... Um really struck me uh, in terms of how to have these conversations um, and just how to have healthy conversation uh, in general was um, Brooke, Brooke talked about uh, the the pain that we're we're carrying and 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 this whole idea that if we're uncomfortable with a conversation that if we dig a little bit deeper and we can identify the pain that we're carrying it actually really helps in in then having really healthy mm-hmm. and engaging conversation mm-hmm. have you guys had had that experience um, not in this context, but back home, uh, it's a conversation that's live around the whole aspect of, you know, Kenya's co- uh, colonized, um, lands were taken from people. Um, and, you know, 50 years after we've had independence, there are churches that have had to have this conversation because they found themselves granted land that was somebody's a family's farm or a clan's land. And sitting in a place where the church at initial was like, no, we're not going to have this conversation it's done to a point where as, as, as an awareness has grown, um, a sense of a willingness to confront the ugly truth of, of that season and have those conversations. And it's been painful um, for many of the churches, um, but it's been helpful. 
and I think it's 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 not yet there, but it's starting to bring a sense of healing. Because um, for a long time, a lot of the tribes that were affected wanted nothing to do with God or church because of what it represented. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that, that still astounds me, that the fact that many of our um, Indigenous brothers and sisters are followers of Jesus and, mm. uh, you know, they are the party that has been wronged in this yeah. relationship. So so whether we talk about um, having to start a relationship because there is no relationship or whether we're talking about, about repairing a relationship because we think that there's some sort of relationship there – this is the party that has been wronged and yet this is the party that is seeking reconciliation yeah, with amazing. us. That's uh, amazing. It's not that, that we are seeking reconciliation but but they are extending that hand of friendship and it's such an amazing and, and, and beautiful thing, I think. Yeah. You know, Jim, one of the things that stood out from that uh, as a church leader, I was like, oh, wow, is to realise a lot of the Indigenous Aboriginal church leaders are self-funded uh, and that like, whoa, okay. And just one of the things I'm thinking about as a church, if I took time to figure out the ministries that are around me that are led by indigenous leaders, is there a way to collaborate and, and, and start from that place of, of building relationship? That's something that I was thinking about, okay, I haven't actually thought about these things. Yeah. I just love that reminder um, from Acts 17 that God does appoint the boundaries of, of, of mm, peoples yeah. and where peoples in cultures live, um, that God determines their appointed times in history, that God did this so that everyone everywhere would perhaps reach out and seek God and find God, remembering that God is not far from any one of us. And I, I love that we just touched on that at the beginning and it just, I think, set a beautiful tone for yeah, some of our conversation yeah, today. Yeah. And also the posture that comes with that, and and Brooke referenced this that because of that framework we walk softly and yeah, gently, yeah. and and therefore the role of listening both to God, um, to Indigenous peoples, and uh, yeah, just that that picture of walking softly and gently, yeah, um, that the sense of reverence. Uh, and awe and surrender to this creator God yeah, that's right. um, from whom all people draw their name. Like, yeah, I, I found that really, really, really powerful. Yeah, it was really beautiful, yeah. If you could ask Brooke a follow-up question, what what would you ask her? I think one of the things, because she talked about this a lot, the, the just the connectedness of the land and the spirituality of it, um, just a sense of I'd love to know more about where um, – as, as indigenous um, uh, people, the sense of w- the mirroring that spiritual connectedness has with the, the God we serve and know um, and, and how that sort of overlaps and overlays. Is it easier to share the gospel in that space where there's an awareness of, 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 of the spiritualness? Is, is it easier or is it harder? I, that's, that's something I've just been processing. I would love to ask that question. I think going back to the first question um, that was asked about place, land and story and I heard a little bit about place and land but I'd love to hear more about story. That would be probably my follow-up question to Brooke. Mm, that's good. I think I'd love to um, hear some – I know she shared a bit about um, Common Grace being a great story and example of where this is happening and um, and I think it would be really helpful to – to understand a bit more about what that actually looks like in practice. But for me, um, I'd love, I'd really love to hear a story of a local church yeah. and what yep. that looks yeah. like because yeah. um, one of the challenges of a parachurch organisation is that they, they they exist above place as well mm. and, and serve churches all across. And yeah. so what does it look yeah. like uh, within place with uh, a diverse group of people? Uh, anyway, yeah, I just had a, a, I'd love to see a picture of what that could look yeah. like. 
Well, thank you guys. And thanks for listening. Remember to join the conversation at the Forming Church Podcast Facebook group and follow us on Instagram. I don't know about you, Benj, but after that conversation with Brooke, I just feel, um, yeah, both both filled up as well as really challenged. I sort of feel like I have been filled with with life from our conversation, but also like I now need to go and do some things. I've got some things yes. I need to put into practice. Yes. Oh, man, there's, there's so much to take away from that conversation. I loved how she was talking about walking slowly and softly on the land. Uh, that is a, a beautiful concept that uh, I am still yet to grasp fully. Mm. Um, and the steps she gave for churches in terms of um, taking steps towards relationship and friendship with uh, Aboriginal people is uh, so good. I need to re-listen, I need to write it down, and I need to write a next step. Yeah, off the top of your head, do you think there is uh, anything that stands out that's shaping maybe how you're going to k- kind of think about um, how Greenhouse Church uh, lives out some of these ideas. Yeah, I, the thing that really stood out to me uh, stood out to me was uh, whenever we have a space, um, Aboriginal art, getting someone and paying them properly and and getting something creatively. And and we are a very uh, creative church. And so for me, uh, challenge is how do we creatively um, allow the voice of our uh, Indigenous brothers and sisters into our creativity. Yeah, I thought a lot of those steps that she said in terms of if you are a church that actually has a physical space, getting a plaque with an acknowledgement of yeah. country, the message that that sends if uh, when when Aboriginal people hopefully walk through the door and come into your service and see a sense of welcome, um, flags, you know, the artwork, I just thought those are like, that's like easy stuff to do that yeah. could make a huge difference. The other thing for me is I'm going to order that book, um, you know, to actually get on the phone um, to not just click on Amazon, yeah. I think is its own act of, like Brooke said, like it represents some of the inequality and the injustice, but just engaging with what is a minor inconvenience to me to be able to get a resource that's going to further educate me and, and give me an opportunity to listen deeply, I think is a next step I have to take. Yeah, that's great. We'll throw a whole bunch of those resources in the show notes and uh, hey, join the conversation, join our Facebook community group and uh, you can uh, like and rate and review on iTunes. You can share this uh, conversation with someone that uh, you think might uh, be helpful to. And uh, we would love for you to continue to join uh, this journey and the conversation with us. Absolutely. This is the kind of episode that I think if you have a church leadership team that you're a part of, you know, I would recommend that you share this with your leadership team and have a conversation about it together. What do you need to do as a next step? But yeah, thanks for being on the journey with us on the Forming Church podcast and we look forward to our next conversation with you next week.